so brutal in what it does to you and that the way it makes you feel and the way it makes you behave towards your partner or your baby or your family or your friends. Went to London to see my girlfriends and I didn't want to get off the train when I got back and yet there was my husband with our baby and this gorgeous smiling family and I remembered just thinking, God, here we go again. I'd cry when my husband went to work, never tell him. And I think there are so many people going through it. You have to be the one that, that says it's time for my sake and my baby's sake and to ask for help. I was able to turn the page and with the right tools, I was able to kind of go on and want more children and have more children. Hi, welcome to the Yumi and PND podcast with me, Rian Hall. Today, I'm joined by the lovely Ginny Chadwick-Healy. Ginny is a fashion consultant, a presenter, a stylist, and a writer. She has her own business called VCH Style. Um, Before Ginny set up this business, she worked at British Vogue for 12 years, including as an editor. So Ginny has three children, and she had postnatal depression with her second child, And I actually came across Ginny's story when I found an article that she'd written called Fashion Girls Like Me Aren't Supposed to Get PND. And it was basically all about how Vogue girls sell and live like sparkling lifestyles and they don't get PND, except this one did. So in this episode, Ginny opens up about what it was like for her having postnatal depression and how she found a way through that time. So much so that she went on to have another child and she's just had little Walter three months ago and so far things are going really well for Ginny. Ginny is a really great example about how postnatal depression can affect anyone. It doesn't matter about your background. It doesn't matter about your personal circumstances. PND can be indiscriminate. And she's also a really great example of hope. And she shows that you can come through postnatal depression. You can survive it and you can thrive after it. So much so in her case that she decided to go on and have another child. So I really hope that you enjoyed this episode and I hope that it gives you some encouragement and some some support. And Ginny also gives some really useful tips in this episode too about how you can support yourself during your experience of postnatal depression. Oh, and also just to say, there is some rustling in this episode and That is the price you pay for having a fashionista. So Ginny was adorned in lots of beautiful jewellery and bracelets. And I think it might have been those those bracelets making that little rustling noise. So hopefully that won't be uh, distracting for you. And it might set the scene a bit because she did did look very glamorous, as you'd expect for uh, an ex-Vogue girl. Anyway, I hope you enjoy. Hi, Ginny. Thank you so much for coming on the Yumi and PND podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm honoured. It's like the most glamorous part of my day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself, Ginny. Well, I say it's the most glamorous part of my day because I'm currently um, 
on maternity leave, I just had my third baby. Uh, he's just over three months, little Walter. I have three children and we live um, in Berkshire. We moved out of London about three years ago, four years ago. I'm married to Ollie, who um, is my absolute rock, especially at the moment. And um, yeah, I guess most people, um, if you were to Google Ginny Chadwick Healy, you'd either discover that I worked at British Vogue for 12 years or that I had postnatal depression. So that is my um, two kind of slightly different um, character attributes. But obviously there's a whole lot more going on with my life. And I now work for myself. I run VCH Style, which is uh, my fashion consultancy. Uh, I also have my fashion column in the Sunday Telegraph. My whole focus when I left Vogue and when I left London was to remind the big brands that I was used to working with that there is life outside of London there is life up and down the country there are women who are obsessed with fashion and really wanting to kind of spend in new and exciting ways so hopefully I can use what I learned at Vogue and kind of speak to them as well. I can confirm Ginny is looking extremely glamorous. No, I am not really. <laughs> the roots, the lockdown roots. Well, we both, have, we both have roots, but I actually haven't washed my hair for about three weeks. Yours looks clean, at least. It is clean, I'll give you that, yeah. So, Ginny, do you want to tell us a little bit about what happened? You had PND after your second child. Yeah, I should say, I, I have not, thankfully, had it with Walter. And I think largely as a result of... What I learned and what I was able to take away from um, suffering postnatal depression when I had Maggie, who is now four, I would also say she is my most boisterous child. (laughs) And everything she showed from those first few days and months, it has not gone away. She's funny. She's naughty. She is loud. She's feisty. She's a tomboy. She is just brilliant. So, um, yeah, I learned a lot and it's amazing to see that character form at such an early stage of her life. But yeah, I sadly uh, did suffer from postnatal depression back in 2016 when she was born. And um, God, I still get wobbly about it. Basically, I wrote this blog post about it on on a site called Mum Prudential. Little did I know that it was going to be one of their most read articles. It was just a spur of the moment kind of, I've got, I've got to get this off my chest because... What I went through was, I guess, magnified because I worked for the Fashion Bible, because I worked in this dreamy world where everything was colourful and bright and fashionable, obviously, and beautiful. And we sold dreams and people bought into those dreams and still do. And I love Vogue for what it stands for. But I was the girl that kind of put my head above the parapet and said, God, I'm really, really battling. And I know it's not meant to happen to Vogue girls, but by the way it does and the response was incredible and yeah I I learned a lot about myself from it and I'm I'm, I dare I say relieved and almost proud that I wrote what I did but I I suffered probably because I worked at Vogue but also we had just moved to an area that I wasn't familiar with we we did the big move out of London Um, and I had a very young 19 month old in Nancy who's now five I had Maggie who she cried for like 24 hours after we left the hospital and I had that moment with Ollie of like oh my god what have we done (laughs) and um again it was her brilliant character coming out but it was it it was pretty hardcore for about six or seven months and 
my armor, if you like, my kind of defense mechanism was the fact that I worked at Vogue and people were always going to be interested in that. And therefore I didn't have to really offload what was really going on behind the scenes. I mean, I didn't offload to anyone, not even my husband until this pivotal moment when I went to London to see my girlfriends who hadn't left London and were still seemingly having a wonderful, sociable, colourful time. And I didn't want to get off the train when I when I got back. And yet there was my husband with our baby and my eldest daughter, kind of this gorgeous, smiling family. And I remember just thinking, God, here we go again, a whole other week is going to begin. And I'm actually hiding quite a lot of pain and, and anguish and anxiety. And, you know, I'd cry when my husband went to work and never tell him. And God, getting a bit emotional but it was really brutal and I think there are so many people um breathe it's all about breathing isn't it um so many people going through it so when you said can you speak I was like of course I will and you know we're not doing it it's not a transaction it's just me wanting to say look it's okay it's okay to, to not find it very easy um And I wrote this line, which is one of the greatest lines I think I've ever written in my writing history, which is behind our Farrow and Ball front doors. We all think it's so important to have the latest Farrow and Ball (laughs) colour. There's probably someone battling away and you just need to kind of open up the door and ask, are you okay?" Or if you're on the other side of the door, open up the door and say, help, I, I need to I need to talk. like for you you had this really like super glamorous super successful life you're doing fabulously well in your career and you're really enjoying your career and you know you had one child and it just sounds like it was just such a shock for you like having a a second child which she didn't sleep and she Mm. was crying a lot and you'd also moved so you didn't have friends in the area you were kind of isolated and you were also not working when you had been with yeah. before so it's it's a bit like a perfect storm and probably I've read some some of what you were saying about your identity was quite tied up in vogue and when you're yeah. a mum and you know it's quite you know mundane maybe same things over and over again in the yeah. day and you don't have that kind of creative outlet or exciting yeah. outlet. it was a loss of identity I totally I, I totally agree and I think you you're probably not set up for that when you become pregnant and no one says by the way it's going to be really really hard work and you're not going to do you're not going to have much time for yourself and it's all about the beauty of it and you're so lucky to be a mother and I would never ever ever say anything other than that because I know so many of my friends can't get pregnant or struggle to get pregnant or haven't met the right man um so I, I know how lucky I am but equally I think it's it's so necessary that we share our stories and thankfully when I wrote my piece back in 2016 it was actually prior to this amazing momentum we've seen from the, the royals you know William Catherine Harry them getting behind it, it or you know sharing their stories or like I think the taboo is slowly starting to wane and and I think that is a positive I mean sadly there are people that roll their eyes when there is another story about it but I think you have to keep you have to keep talking because I'm now like five years into being a mother and yet I know there's someone probably having a baby tonight who who will probably find it a little bit wobbly and difficult and it's about helping 
keeping on um, the narrative so that you help the, the newest people out there who, who yeah. will need it. And that's the six words that I always say are just so needed are you are not alone and me too. Mm. And I think that's so yes. powerful, particularly with postnatal depression, because even though the stigma around mental health generally, I think is reducing because I still think, especially with postnatal depression and paternal um depression good point there is a lot of stigma still and it's hard for people to hear sometimes that you know it's not Mm -hmm. a rosy picture it's also a generational thing and we are a very open generation aren't we you know what I found quite interesting from when my piece was then picked up by the telegraph is and he won't mind me saying this I'm really close to my father but he found it very difficult to read about his daughter in a national newspaper suffering from a form of depression. It was like stiff upper lip mentality until he was at the golf club and loads of his male friends said, gosh, you must be so proud of Ginny for talking. And only then he was like, God, I am. Yeah, maybe I am actually, actually really proud of my daughter because it was not the done thing to kind of talk about it. So So, had you you not had um, a history of any mental health issues in the past? This is again part of the article. Like people must hate me because I was like happily married. My parents are still together. They'd be, you know, happily, very happily married. I'm one of three. We're, we're all pretty close. I have, you know, now three healthy children. I had three easy pregnancies. I, I, I you know, I'm that person that like, oh God, and now you know, you want us to feel sorry for you. But honestly, it can happen to anyone, and I think that's mm. the most important thing that came from this. The people that got in touch, and I won't mention names, but they work for some of the biggest brands in the world. They are some of the most kind of fortunate, if you like, people. And it's very glamorous what they do. And yet they kind of understood and they said, thank you. They were thanking me. I was like, oh, my God, you've rarely ever spoken to me. (laughs) But you're thanking me for sharing this story. So it was just a kind of leap of faith that in the end was helpful to many who I really wouldn't have thought I would have struggled with anything and that's the thing you don't know what other people are going through and until you share honestly how you're doing you're not going to know and it's really easy to fall into that trap of comparison and thinking well everybody else is doing it okay everybody else is coping I'm the only one that can't I can't admit this but I think every single person that I've spoken to about my story has either had something similar themselves, they've really struggled at some point in their life with their mental health or parenting, you're not on your own. So if you're listening to this thinking you're struggling because it's your fault or that you deserve this, that's no. not true, but you are yeah. really not on your own. What I found really lovely when I'd written the piece that was then picked up by the Telegraph, because I didn't actually write it for the Telegraph, was the number of... Um, husbands and fathers-to-be that got in touch to say thank you for for shining a light on something I knew nothing about or um I've noticed something's not quite right with my wife you know thank you because it's amazing there are there are a lot of people um a lot of strands to postnatal depression and yeah the kind of strong solid types are finding it just as hard um, men and women and and the fathers too and that's something I'm sure you'll pick up on in these podcasts yeah that is so true and I think a lot of men generally aren't talking about the struggles that they're going through 
after no. having children. That's that's probably even more of a taboo than postnatal depression is paternal. Yeah, but like the really raucous ones, sometimes quite cocky types as well. And I was like, oh my god, he got in touch. Like nothing's wrong in his life, and there he was saying we've had some wobbles maybe it was this as well and we didn't we didn't know like it's it just touches so many people it's so good the more people talk about it the better and yeah. nobody nobody is sailing through everybody has no. a point and yeah. that's part of life isn't it exactly Ginny, can you just tell us a little bit about the day-to-day impact after you had your second and you were you were experiencing your postnatal depression? What was it? What was the day-to-day impact on you? So I think it was mainly this feeling of I just can't do anything right. I am a terrible mother. Like my husband's a very good cook, so maybe that like massively crushed my confidence in that department. But I just remember thinking this baby won't stop crying, but there's nothing wrong with it. So it must be me. I was really short with my 19 month old and she wouldn't leave my side because we were in a new house and she was too scared to go upstairs. We'd moved from a flat in London. So, you know, suddenly we're in this bigger house and environment. Um, We had people coming in and out. You know, I was sort of breastfeeding in front of every single workman that would ever come near the house so I just lost any kind of sense of sort of like self-worth I was like really this is like such a bedraggled state to be in and yet my clothes were my armor again people would ask about oh cool trainers in in a nice way I don't mean that negatively but like oh wow I like your top and I was like oh phew like they're not gonna find out that I'm crumbling like they like my top isn't that great and it sounds so shallow but yeah clothing has been a big part of my life and kind of my relationship definitely changed after this because um, it, it sort of saved me in a way. But then also I was like, it's okay to just be and feel wobbly. And that's, it doesn't, you don't have to hide necessarily behind clothes. Um, but yeah, I then had very negative thoughts that I, I actually won't put into words because I don't think it helps anyone that those days are over. But um, there was a time when I was walking along the riverbank and I thought maybe I should just walk into the river like it and that was the low 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 point and it never came back and I I I do sort of it haunts me a little but yeah it was just it was time to seek help my husband was like go to the doctor so I went to the GP and sadly she didn't have much time she was sort of watching the clock above me so I knew there was a clock because she only had a certain amount of time to give to the appointment so she just said right yeah I'm going to give you a prescription you've got postnatal depression here are some antidepressants. And I was like, are you kidding? Is that all it takes to get antidepressants? And um, she said, come back in two weeks. I never did. And she never checked up on me. So you know, I could have sadly taken it a lot further and, and she wouldn't have really known until you know, it was Such too late. But I've real. seen her since. And I definitely, she was amazing recently with with Walter she knows nothing that I uh, that I wrote you know that piece and that I referred to her because it was all anonymous but you know they are under pressure in many ways so perhaps it is good that they can hand out things like sertraline but I actually sought an alternative route I, I wasn't someone that wanted to necessarily be dependent on antidepressants and I don't think there is anything wrong with them I have to state that so clearly there is nothing wrong with taking them so many of my friends take them but I just knew that I was someone that was perhaps a bit more um, wanting to approach it more 
in a more natural way. So I um, went to my kinesiologist that I see occasionally. She's an amazing woman. And uh, she said, you need to, over the email, she was like, right, you need to whack in the magnesium. And guess what? Magnesium is it's an essential dietary mineral that supports sleep and sleep's the most important thing we, we need. And it's the one thing that us new mothers don't get enough of from that moment your baby's born. And she also said, take a supplement called 5-HTP, which is an amino acid and it's a precursor to serotonin. So it's, it, it, again, it's like the happy hormone and it's not cheap, unfortunately. So that's why I'm sure a lot of people are put off. But I, I do have that part and I have taken it with Walter, but not because um, I was necessarily wobbly, but I just knew that I needed that um, boost. Mm-hmm. Magnesium, I think, should be the one thing they tell you about in antenatal classes. Um, mm-hmm. Good quality stuff as well. Yeah. I did that. And I did way more exercise and I, and I reached out for help from my mom and, and my mother-in-law, who was brilliant. She's, we're very lucky to have a good relationship, very strong relationship. And I think just by letting people know that it wasn't all rosy, it kind of, it meant, you know, everyone wants to help. They just need to be asked. And it's the hardest thing in the world to ask for help. If you think you're in that low, you can't be bothered. I can't believe I'm saying that, but I was like, I can't be bothered to pick up the telephone. I can't be bothered to to yeah. reach out. And sometimes you don't feel like you're worth the help almost. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I completely understand where you're coming from with that. Not having any motivation. You know, some days it's when you're depressed, you, you don't even have the motivation to kind of get out of bed, let alone think, oh, and I'm going to have to go through the whole story and explain it. I would also say if you are a mother of someone who's had a baby or a mother-in-law or grandmother, whatever it might be, just be aware that if they are going quiet, it's worth dropping an email or a text or preferably a call. I, I really think it works both ways. Y- mm-hmm. You might think that the person who's gone quiet is so busy with baby, you don't want to disturb. But it's often not the, not the case. And actually this time around with Walter, you wouldn't believe how many messages I'm getting. Like, not like, have you got postnatal again? But like, just... Just checking in, just thinking of you or like, and honestly, it means the world. And of course, I then get that anxiety of, oh God, I've got to reply and I haven't called them and they're going to think I'm, I'm really struggling. But it's amazing. That message comes through usually at a moment when I am having a wobble and I'm very scared of falling into postnatal again. But the people who, it, honestly, it's, it's colleagues, it's clients, it's obviously my parents and, and, um, my sisters-in-law and everybody is checking in and my best friends have been amazing Mm. but not in a kind of overt way just you know we're here it's you know lockdown is shit lockdown is really not great with a newborn but um we're here and that's all it takes sometimes yeah that is it's so important to know that and I think for me, I try to say to people, if I know people have had had children, you know, I try and say, oh, how are you doing? And then even if it's a bit of a cursory response, like, yeah, yeah, everything's good. Blah, blah, I just tend to kind of volunteer like, oh, you know, I, I really struggled at the beginning. I, I remember how hard it is. And just to volunteer that sometimes yeah. elicits a bit of a response from them as actually, yeah, oh, did you find it hard? And then they can open up a little bit more. So yeah. I always try and give, I don't kind of go belt in there with, yeah, I was in a mother and baby unit. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, really? Oh, to, oh, gosh. 
But I do just say, oh, you know, I, I did really, I did find it really hard at times or I really, really struggled at times. And sometimes that can be a little bit of a invitation to say, look, I'm certainly not going to mind if you're struggling or I'd certainly don't yeah. have any expectation of it being all rosy. And it can. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay, it's okay. It, for it not to be rosy don't look at social media and all these mummy bloggers I love what they do but gosh it's okay to just find it really damn hard I think a lot of people fall into this comparison trap and they think everybody else is doing better than them everybody else copes they're on their own and they can't cope and I think that's really magnified with social media yeah when I was battling when I had just had Maggie yeah it was like someone was punching me every time I looked at social media it was really bruising of course I was like missing this old life as well not missing it because I didn't love my children just it was just an era that was definitely in the past and I guess really did switch off from it and only when I felt strong enough in my head and was ready to see everybody's glittering lives did I then go back on and that is the mentality I have now so you won't see me posting the whole time and actually I hope people if I do post they're like off you she's in a good place that's the only way I treat it because I still am like oh no you know I've got x number of followers and only that many people liked my picture it just takes up too much time it's a waste it's a waste of time and I think you try to please people and they're people you don't even know I know it's a huge part of our lives and it's not going away and I love it for the the kind of business element that it offers me now I work for myself but honestly the people that matter are are your friends your your family obviously your partner your children um, your neighbors the people that you interact with on a kind of real level and that's what you have to just remember about social media it's a beast and a friend but there's a very dangerous territory especially if you're feeling um, remotely wobbly so just just delete delete it and, and go back when you're feeling strong it's okay to go back just do it when you're strong and to be honest um, I think I'd be I'd be more worried about someone if you had three children like you have <laughs> and you were going it's amazing it's just brilliant I'd be like what what but what what what's going on with you oh my god I can't tell you I've I've had that amazing kind of breakdown crying fit during lockdown I, I thought I was teetering on the edge and I was just exhausted and it's mm. and, and if anything lockdown weirdly has I guess been a blessing in some ways because it's just focusing on Walter on the girls on my husband there is no school run and maybe I've been saved you know I've been yeah. like in some weird way like a um, bit of a simpler life for you guys and you've got your yeah. husband around more now obviously I don't yeah. know if he was working at, away from home but people have got more of a if you have a partner I think you do get more support in lockdown in many ways and it it, it, maybe it was a bit of a blessing that you didn't have all that pressure of having to you know look after your other two and keep up with the your activities and school runs and everything so and the kind of smiley face on the school run and like everything's great no yeah it is so interesting people have kind of taken to this period of our lives period of history gosh in such different ways and I I do feel um it's been both a curse and a blessing so but that's true of so many things in life I do just think of a lot of people who are finding it really tough right now so I I just hope that they kind of take some comfort from anything like this because 
yeah, my third, I am a bit more confident and I, I do have amazing support um, because I've, of what I've gone through previously and knowledge of what works for me and what doesn't. But I, I know it's, it is really hard when you, you kind of feel like you've lost a bit of your life when you have a baby because no one warns you that you can't do anything without first thinking of that that little bundle. And that was quite a big, I'll never forget that feeling when I, I first had Nancy, my eldest. It's a huge you can't do shock, anything. That sh- yeah. like psychological shift from just sort of being autonomous and the weight of responsibility for that other child is really overwhelming at times. And I, I think even if you didn't have postnatal depression, and there's good, there are really difficult parts of parenting all the time. But even yeah. without PND, you know, it's a massive shock. It's a yeah. huge lifestyle change. Just not sleeping at all. Oh, I still haven't slept for longer than four hours and I, I'm really feeling it now. <laughs> I'm like, come on, Walter, come on, sleep through. But it's not going to happen, I don't think. He's a hungry boy. <laughs> oh, bless you. You will at some point. I hope so. (laughs) Um, What would you say you've learned from this experience with the benefit of hindsight? Um, What would I say to others who are experiencing it? I I guess I would say this is, it's not a test. It's, it's not a punishment. It's, it's not like a kind of standard new mother challenge. Unfortunately, postnatal depression can hit the very strongest and the very weakest. I guess you have to sort of see motherhood as a, a kind of book and, this particular chapter of postnatal depression, it's either going to permeate the book and it's going to be there for, for a while and then it will, you know, it's, it's time will come to an end. Or it's a short chapter, as it was in my case, that then I was able to turn the page and with the right tools in place, I was able to kind of go on and, and want more children and have more children. I can't say that's true of everybody, but um, don't see postnatal as something that because it's so brutal in what it does to you and that the way it makes you feel and the way it makes you behave towards your partner or your baby or your family or your friends, don't let it mean that you're going to be any less of a mother because, as you know, really, like it's made your bond stronger, if anything. And you kind of just have to, when you're in the thick of it, when you're in those really dark moments, you just have to think, I hope you don't mind me swearing, but fuck this is hard and like I'm really in the thick of it right now and maybe it can't get any worse I'm going to take this and I'm going to try and kind of dig my way out of it Mm. but I really think you have to be the one that that says right it's it's time like it for my sake and my baby's sake because you are the world to your baby and um you know that they need you you know, and so it's it is kind of realizing maybe now's the time to ask for help. The sooner you go and get help, the better. The quicker your recovery will be. And nobody is going to think that you're wasting anybody's time if you're having you know thoughts of suicide or harming your baby. Speak to your doctor. You can present at A and E if you need to. If you're in crisis, you can call nine 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 if you need to. Please, you're worth you're worth the help. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jenny.